Good morning, everyone. Uh, we, I have the privilege of reading the Word, and uh, we have three passages to read. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Genesis, uh, sorry, Exodus chapter 3. Um, the second passage will be from Isaiah chapter 6, and the third passage from Matthew chapter 5. So Exodus 3, verse 1 to 6. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt? And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The second passage is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 8. In the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the other thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And he, I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, oh, sorry, that's it. Sorry, the, the third passage is Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do, people's, sorry, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Here ends the reading. Yeah, just like to invite Bill up now. Um, just on an intro, I know a lot of you here know Bill. I just wanted to just affirm that um, Bill's role, he's, he's basically going to be filling in as, as pastor within the church here, and we've mentioned that a few times, and I as well too. And just, just thank you, Bill, for your willingness to serve the church in this way, and um, we look forward to hearing today's service and uh, many others from you mm. today. Thanks. Thank you. Well, thank you, Luke, for reading those scriptures. And um, we had three Bible readings. Might be a bit unusual, but I chose to do that. Why? I just wanted to show you that biblical revelation is progressive. So when you start at the beginning of the Bible and you work your way through, you see what God is doing and what he's on about. Did you notice that Moses was afraid because of the holiness of God? Isaiah saw a vision and he was afraid, but the angel cleansed him. And he went out. Then Jesus picks up the same theme in Matthew. And he says, you are the light of the world. May people see what you are doing and give glory to God in heaven, which makes him holy. I just wanted you to see the strand. That's why we chose that reading. Thank you, Michael, for your introduction. And uh, it's been a privilege. I feel like I've been working here for ages. But actually, it's only two weeks. And... um, that's because I'm a member here and, you know, you sort of do stuff anyway. But it's been a, a privilege to uh, dig deeper into the word so that I can be uh, a servant who plates it up for you with the Holy Spirit working through my words and through your listening. And I'm going to pray for that now. Father God in heaven, we can see from the scripture readings that you are a speaking God. You communicate You communicate in holiness and it is an awesome thing to come before the face of God in your holiness, in our flesh and blood body. It's enough to turn us away because you are pure and we're not. But by the grace of God, your grace, you chose to come into this world in flesh, in blood in Jesus and he's the bridge to you he's the one that we can walk across he chooses to live in us through your Holy Spirit Holy Spirit I pray that the words that you wrote in the scriptures that we've just heard and the words that you have put on my heart Lord that that may be the message that you want this congregation to hear this day for your purposes and your glory If we do that, and if you do that, you'll get the glory and we'll be so happy that you do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, last week we looked at four words, our Father in heaven or in the heavens. Some of you were here, some of you weren't. I'm not going to rehash it. You can go to the website and you can listen to that. But it was a beautiful thing to know that our Father is one who identifies with us and he is not remote in the heavens 
that explains his glory, his majesty and his power. So, question, how is your prayer life going, having added that to your diary or your agenda? Have we just gone a little bit deeper into God our Father and his majesty? If you have, praise the Lord, because that's the goal of this series, to get deeper with God. Well, it's, it's interesting how God works through his word. Whenever you open the word, God will do something. He'll do it either in you or for you or through you. This week in my Bible reading plan, which uh, I've got a beautiful plan. If anybody wants to know it, it's, I can share it with you. But anyway, as I was preparing this sermon, the Bible reading plan took me to have a guess which book in the Bible. You won't guess. Leviticus. Has anybody read Leviticus lately? Somebody? Yeah, Leviticus. Just have you been in Leviticus? In one word, what's Leviticus about? Holiness. Holiness everywhere. Holiness in detail. Holiness. Holiness. That's what Leviticus is about. I thought, Lord, isn't that amazing? Here I am preaching on your name be made holy. And here you put me right into the holy book. Well, that holy book, Leviticus. And, and basically what comes out of this is that if we are God's people, and we are, we have a call to holiness. Now, that's exactly what's behind Jesus' prayer that he's teaching us. God's name is holy. His name represents who he is. And he said to Moses, I am who I am. And he appeared before Moses in the burning bush. And we saw, we read, that the place that Moses was standing on was holy ground because his holiness, the Lord Almighty, was there. Holy ground. So God lives in unapproachable light. God is distinct from creation, creator, and he made us. And yet he loves his creation so much that he even came in flesh and blood to be part of that creation. Can you imagine that? The creator coming in to creation and being part of it. That is mind-boggling to me. But that's what, it, that's what he does. And so when it comes to God's essence, he is holy. He's perfectly set apart. He's perfectly pure. And I have to say this. You nor I cannot add to God's holiness. He is so pure, so perfectly holy, we can't add to his holiness. Think about that. The only thing we can do is to declare his holiness. Look at the angels in heaven. What do they do? They declare that God is holy. The angels around the throne, in Isaiah's case, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty and the whole earth is full of his glory. So let's make this observation from the text in Matthew. And the text is very short. Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Let's look at those words again. Hallowed be your name. Good. Now Jesus, listen to this. Jesus didn't say, hallowed is your name. He didn't ask us to pray, hallowed is your name. He asked us to pray, hallowed be your name. Anyway, we're going to explore that whole thing. Now, as I said, I was reading Leviticus, and uh, I uh, choose to often read um, a few translations together, and one of my translations would be the message from Eugene Peterson. And uh, I decided to have a little look at uh, his preface, and I thought, wow, this guy is saying things that I want to say, but I can't say it any better. So I'm going to quote him a little bit. This is about understanding holiness. Eugene Peterson says this, and, and think about these words, they're going to be up on the screen, and um, if anybody wants a transcript of this message later on, just ask me and you can get it, or I'll give it to Phil and she could email it. But this is what he says, one of the stubbornly enduring habits of the human race is to, in we are determined to tame him. And I wrote, ouch. That really struck home to me. I don't know if you've heard this word, domesticating God, before. Is anybody familiar with that concept, domesticating God? Because what it means is we try to package God in a way that we can handle and we can manipulate. Sometimes our prayers show that. So this is a real warning here. One of the stubbornly enduring habits of the human race is to insist on domesticating God. We're determined to tame him. We figure out ways to harness God to our projects. We try to reduce God to the size that conveniently fits our plans, our ambitions and our tastes. I'm guilty of that. Listen to the next paragraph. But our scriptures are even more stubborn in telling us that we can't do that. God cannot fit into our plans. We must fit into his. We can't use God. He's not a tool. He's not an appliance. He's not a credit card. Eugene Peterson continues by saying, Holy is the word... That, set God's, that sets God apart and above our attempts to enlist him to our wish-fulfillment fantasies or our utopian schemes for making our mark in the world. Holy means that God is alive in God's terms. Alive in a way that exceeds our experience and our imagination. Holy refers to life burning with such an intense purity that transforms everything it touches into itself. So what God's holiness does, it makes other things holy. And because the core of all living is God and God is a holy God, we require so much teaching, so much training for living in response to God as he is and not as we want him to be. That is powerful. Eugene Peterson says, Leviticus is a kind of extended time out 
of instruction and training, a detailed preparation for living holy in a culture that doesn't have the faintest idea of what holy is. When I thought about our culture, when I look at the media, when I see what's around, it's true. Our culture has no idea of what holiness really means. And God's teaching on holiness needs to be adapted and reworked in every country, every country, forming a people to live as he created them to be, to be holy as God is holy. So what does Jesus mean in teaching us to pray that God's name might be holy, be hallowed? In essence, it's like this. It's when our personal, when our reflects God's holiness more and more. So when we reflect the holiness of God more and more, God is being made holy. It's when God's name is revered and honoured and praised. Matthew 5 says people will look at us and say, that can't be just humans, that's the glory of God. That's who's doing that. To us in this passage and through the whole Bible, that this is happening in heaven right now. And the prayer that he teaches us to pray is, can that happen also now on earth? We're going to explore a bit more of that. Now, you know, I'm a bit of a car buff, and this is not a car illustration, but in 1973, when Holden started making the HQ, so it's a date, J.I. Packer wrote a book called Knowing God. And if I had to say, is there a book that I've read besides the Bible that is in my top ten list, that's one of them, Knowing God. J.I. Packer, 1973. Well... Two people, two types of people. One, and, and both types of people actually know God. Okay, so they know God. But it's two different ways of knowing God. One person sort of knows God, and the other person really knows God. And he calls them the balconier and the traveller. And I'm going to use that a little bit to help us get our heads around holiness. The balconier is someone who sits on the balcony. So you've got your landing in front of your lounge and you're on the balcony and you see the road in front of you. The balconier sits on his comfortable chair on the balcony, sees a whole lot of travellers walking past, he hears them and he, he can talk to them because he can say, how are you going down there? He even sees where they're travelling. And he even has the same map that these travellers have, but he just sits there on the balcony. That's a balconier. Now, let's look at the other type of person, a traveller. Someone who is physically walking along that road, who's going around the corners, who's going down the long straights, who's going up and down hills, whose shoes wear out. And her feet get tired and she keeps going the distance, doing the hard yards, the traveller. In another way to say this, it's a bit like two different kinds of four-wheel drivers. Some people who into four-wheel drives, they buy these lovely road maps and tracks. 
They read all the books about where you can go, what you can do. They subscribe to the videos and they watch other people doing this stuff. They buy four-wheel drive gear. They even fit it to their car. But they rarely go out in the bush. Balconier. The others, the travellers, they go out there. And they do the stuff. They smell the gum trees. They can smell the campfire. They experience all the emotions of a big hill climb. And then they get nervous and they get excited. They get scared. They get victorious all at the same time. That's real four-wheel driving. That's a traveller. Why do I use those examples? Well, I just want to paint the contrast between the balconier and the traveller. The balconier is a spectator. God, the Bible, life, struggles, joy, sin, holiness, they're there. But to the balconier, they're theoretical and they're academic. Yes, they talk about it a lot. There's lots of answers that they have, but that's where it stops. Because as far as practical outcomes go, let's say there's little holiness Little loving the things of God. And so when the church is full of balconiers or full of spectators, do you know what the world sees? The world sees windbags. God gets a bad rap when the world sees windbags. This is what Andrew Kivenhoven says, the worst thing my life can be is an obstacle between anybody and God. The worst thing my life can be is an obstacle between anybody and God. Well, travellers, this is the other group now. On the other hand, they're on a spiritual journey. Their knowledge of God, the Bible, life, struggles, joys, awareness of sin and personal holiness, the same list, they are practical and they're experienced. They are walking a life of a long obedience in the same direction. They are climbing the hills, not just talking. And travellers know God. They both know God. But their knowledge of God is so different. So a question for you this morning is, which one are you? A balconier or a traveller? I want you to put that in your mind and just keep it there and keep asking yourself, what am I? Remember that when Jesus taught this prayer, it is a pattern for praying. And a pattern for praying becomes a pattern for life. Prayer and life are connected in such a way that prayer reflects your life and life reflects your prayer. And Jesus, our forerunner, to pray this prayer, and I can tell you what, he prayed it out of experience, lived experience. So Jesus is not asking us to do something he didn't do himself. He prayed these things as he walked with God. Now our first concern, which we saw last Sunday, is that we must personally know God as Father, not just know about God, but know him in terms of relationship and friendship. And so one of our life's callings is to keep learning more about God's character. 
And, and I must admit, when I was singing those songs, about two or three of them were songs that came into my head because I was going to ring you and I thought, no, nah, I'm going to let the Spirit do his work. And he did. Fantastic. So we've got to learn more about God's character and we can never really learn enough. It's so deep. But when we do, we see his power. We see his holiness. We see his grace. We see his justice and mercy. And there's no better place to see where justice and mercy meet than at the cross of Jesus Christ. And we are receiving by God's grace, a powerful ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're connected to Jesus by faith, you have the Holy Spirit in you who wants to make you holy. And so the closer we walk with Jesus, the more his concerns become our concerns. That's another way to look at the prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That Jesus' concerns become our concerns. And so to flesh that out a bit, the key to our holiness is to start thinking God's thoughts. How do you start thinking more of God's thoughts? Well, you can look at creation because he made it and it speaks, but especially in his word. You want to know the mind of God? It's right there in the Bible. So get to know his words his thoughts more and more. Romans 9, 8 says, 8, 20, Jesus conformed to the image of God's Son. That's what holiness looks like. So, hallowed be your name means that our first concern becomes the glory of God, honouring him and making his name good. Giving him a good reputation. That's what holiness well, this is because Jesus has shown God to be our gracious and heavenly Father. We saw last Sunday that he's both caring and almighty. And because of that, we are proud. We are proud of our Father in a good way. And if you're proud of someone, you've got to tell other people about it. We're proud of God, our Father. Give him a good reputation. That's what I pray and hope that we all want to be. A sign that we are travellers, not balconiers, is that God's name, God's honour becomes very dear to us. In fact, it starts to become a priority in our prayers. Because it's going to matter to us how God is regarded in our world, how he's honoured. We want to talk to God about it. And when we see things that are happening that disturb us, we say, God... Have you seen what they're doing? What are you going to do about it? What can I do about it? That's a sign that you're becoming a traveller. And it boils down again to this having a relationship with God. We feel what he feels. We're concerned. We have that when we experience the hurts that God feels when his name is dragged in the mud. When his name is used improperly, when it's misused or even abused, when the media starts dragging the church through all the public media and shows us warts and all, and it's true, but it hurts. It hurts me. It hurts God. But that means we're growing in holiness. We see God glorified when we see someone who hears the gospel maybe for the first time, then they start to understand it and then they believe the gospel and they confess Jesus. 
if that excites you, it's a sign of growing in holiness because it excites God. The angels in heaven rejoice over every sinner who repents. And if you are rejoicing, then you are experiencing God's holiness. It warms our hearts to see the Holy Spirit changing lives. When we turn up at church, we talk about our spiritual walk, or we see someone who's been having a victory over something, or someone who's just come closer to God through whatever event, we rejoice. And so Andrew Kivenhoven, in the opposite to the quote he, I used before, he says, the best thing I can be, before he said the worst thing, the best thing I can be is a stepping stone, not a stumbling block, a stepping stone by which someone can actually reach the Father's house. If you're a stepping stone to someone reaching God, wow, that is a beautiful privilege. That's holiness. Because we want to welcome the same people that Jesus welcomes into the Father's house. That's hallowing his name. Another way to show that you are a traveller is that holiness is evident in you when it's a pleasure to worship God. When it's a pleasure. When you want to go to church. When you want to be with God's people. When you want to sing his praise. Holiness is when our hearts are warmed. When we read the Bible. When we study it. We expect God to speak. When we hear it explained. You know that account that Jesus has with those two men walking to Emmaus? And then Jesus opened up the scriptures to them. What did they say? Our hearts warmed within us. When that happens to you, when you open the Bible and you read it and your heart warms, that's growing in holiness. Holiness is also when we see our money and our wealth as God's wealth. It's all God's. He owns every cent in this universe. But God chooses to give it to us on loan, to steward for his kingdom, for gospel purposes. And so as we consider our first fruits offering this morning, it is part of our holiness, not a showing off. No, no, no. It is part of our response that I understand that everything I have is from God and I want to give him something back. I want to show him how much I appreciate it. Our first fruits offering. In, in short, holiness is when we stand out from the world, but we stand up for God. May all of us stand out from the world and stand up for God. And the best evidence of being a traveller, of really knowing God, is that your life is constantly being rearranged. Rearranged in a progressive way where God is over and over more and more getting first place in your life. And that will be reflected in our prayers because God's priorities become our priorities. What does that look like? Well, when I start planning what God would want to do through me, when I talk about the things God talks about, when I live in a way that shows God alive in me, when I give because I know it's all his in the first place. A rearranged life where God is progressively becoming more and more the first in your life. In our Bible readings from Exodus and from Isaiah, 
we have those two characters, Moses and Isaiah, and we could have gone through and got more, but we see the reaction of people in the Bible when they met God and realised they were on holy ground. What was their reaction? And then you see these people in the Bible, they see the awe and wonder, but they're confronted by themselves and their own sin, their imperfection. And then amazingly, that you can still stand in front of this God. You can still be in front of this awesome God and stand in his presence because he's made a way. You see the gospel in Isaiah, the angel taking those, that, that um, hot coal and cleansing so he could speak. But that points to the blood of Christ, doesn't it? Where he cleansed us so that we are his. We can stand in the presence of God and all of us can say hallelujah to that. That's the amazing truth. Looking for us. We saw that last Sunday. God comes looking for us. He loves us. He redeems us. He adopts us. And he makes an unholy people holy. That's what he does. All because of Jesus' death and resurrection to pay for our sin, to earn our right standing with God. Hallelujah. And that's why we can talk to our Father in heaven. In thankful obedience, we want to go the way of Jesus and what he taught us to pray. God is precious to us, so we want his name to be precious to others. We're coming near the end. In praying, hallowed be your name, think about this. In praying, hallowed be your name, if you really mean that, you are becoming part of the answer to your prayer. Think about it. You ask God's name to be hallowed. You're praying for it. You are going to become part of the answer to your prayer because you will grow in holiness and we desire to see it in others. God gets the glory. When Moses had been in the presence of God, the Bible tells us that his face was shining and glowing so much so that when he came to the Israelites, he had to put a veil over his face because people were seeing a radiance that came from God in the face of Moses. When the disciples spoke boldly to the crowd after the resurrection, the people could tell that these disciples, they were unschooled men. They said, we can see that you've been with Jesus. Do people say that of us? I can see that you've been with Jesus on a Sunday, maybe after life group, maybe after a prayer meeting, maybe after anything you do. If people say, hey, I can see you've been with Jesus, do you know what? That is the ultimate compliment that you could receive. Sometimes uh, people, even our children, ask, Dad, Mum, what does uh, Jesus look like? Would someone look at you and say, There's a picture of Jesus there? Wouldn't that be a privilege to, to hear people say that? You want to see Jesus? See him. See her. What a privilege. But that is our calling, our high calling, made possible by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit of Christ lives in us as believers. 
And the Spirit of Christ makes his home in us so that we are his temple that makes us saints, holy ones, holy belonging to the Lord. So by way of conclusion, a holy life that prays for God's name to be holy is called out by God, then set apart for God, but called to a different life. We exist now to please and honour God. That's how we hallow his name, declare it holy. So let's pledge to shine for Jesus. See, here it is, this sentence, that song came out. Let's pledge to shine for Jesus. We have seen the greatness of God. And by our lives, we want other people to see him too. So Romans tells us we are not shaped by the world's mould. We are shaped by the Holy Spirit's mould. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're conformed to the likeness of Christ. See how all scripture just fits in? When we are travellers, not spectators, not balconiers, choosing to be holy is not a burden. We think it's a burden, maybe, but if you're a true traveller, choosing to be holy is not a desire, is to reflect Jesus. A couple of things I need to say is that holiness doesn't earn your salvation. Do not think that your holiness earns your salvation. Holiness is a result of the Holy Spirit living in you. That's what it is. So, hallowed be your name. What does that look like? It's when I think like Jesus. It's when I value the things that Jesus values. It's when I hate what Jesus hates. And those things start making their way into your prayers. The prophet Micah is speaking God's words about Micah 6 verse 8b. To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Holiness. So I'm a traveller. I'm a traveller. I want to be a traveller. Do you? Yes? Travellers. A sojourner. A pilgrim. It means that you're moving on. process in you. It's not fully accomplished yet until Jesus returns. It's a process. So be encouraged by that. But it's also a process with progress. You can see the daily walk. Now, we said before, we cannot add to God's holiness. But you can add to yours. Because that's what makes God holy. It's what the Holy Spirit loves to do in you for God. Because it glorifies him. So no wonder that Jesus teaches us to pray this prayer. Hallowed be your name, Lord, in my life in our lives.